Hey everybody, welcome back to During Business Hours. My name is Christopher. Thanks for joining us today. We have Chris Andrew, phone flipper extraordinaire, with us today to share some of his story. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. Where Where were you born and raised? Where's your hometown? I was born in Milford, Connecticut. Uh, I was born and raised there. I, I moved out of there when I was 19. Or Yeah, 19. How old are you now? 28. So you knew Mike Malak. Mike Malak, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he did not like my brother. Yeah, he, he was a, he's a big podcast superstar now. but Yeah, um, he was from Milford, Connecticut. Yeah, he was a bit, a bit of a bad boy. Yeah, he would user. do drugs. He would do, he would do a lot of heroin behind the, the library. Yeah, I've heard stories from over there because everyone, you know, when they're from Milford, Connecticut, which is like one of the more dangerous areas. No, uh, Milford's no, Milford's actually really safe, but it's when you go to New Haven. New Haven. New Haven, yeah. New Haven is really bad. It's like in the top. It was in the top ten for worst cities, but I don't know about anymore. When did you leave Milford? Uh, I moved out of there. I think I was nineteen. I was. I didn't. I had an ex girlfriend at the time, so I didn't want to move. And then living in Connecticut just got too hard by myself. And then my mom offered me to essentially live with her rent free in Florida. So I just took it. What part yeah, of Florida? Just, uh, it was Lando Lakes, Florida. So Lando Lakes butter. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Lando Lakes, Florida. Um, it's right, right outside of Tampa. So if I get right on the highway, I'm like 15, 20 minutes from Tampa, but uh, I was hurricane like, Ian for you, man. We got lucky. We got yeah. lucky. It, it ditched us last second. We were supposed to get hit head on directly with like a category five. Then it shifted and then it shifted towards um, Fort Myers, which is like about three hours away from us. And they got wrecked. They got destroyed. I saw the videos. Yeah. Yeah. They got absolutely destroyed. So, I, I mean, it sucks for them, but I'm happy for us because yeah. I didn't prep, I didn't prep at all. Because everyone <laughs> here is like, oh, this happens all the time. There's going to be no hurricane. That's what people say. I'm moving to Oklahoma. I know I've talked to you about and they're like yeah. tornadoes once every 10 years. And I'm like, well, it hasn't happened in 12 years. Yeah. Out. And so uh, I got estimates for insurance and tornado insurance is expensive. It's like commercial grade <laughs> insurance cost. Jeez. I was surprised. You know, yeah, I rent where I live right now, but my landlords asked me to put the hurricane shutters up and asked me to pay for it. So I ended up doing that only because of my son, essentially, like I didn't, if there was a hurricane or anything bad, we weren't evacuating. So I ended up biting the bullet and just paid to put the shutters up. But I thought it was kind of ridiculous how these landlords asked me to protect their investment. Well, take them with you. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be your house. Yeah. Yeah. I really should. Yeah. It's a, my commercial landlord had me put in like new sinks, faucets, stuff like that. And then said I was liable for their air, air conditioning on a different story. But yeah. uh, everything I fix, if I touch it, I own it. That's I got to be petty about it because they're going to be petty to the next person. Yeah. You know? That's so true. Yeah. it's, it's I, I tell everyone I'm a certified asshole when I need to be, but I'll be your best friend otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you moved when you were 19 to Florida, moved in yeah. with your mom. Yeah. What, what were you doing for work when you were younger? Uh, so I actually always basically worked for myself besides when i was like 15 i had a job uh at this restaurant called mama Teresa's. i was a food runner so um i would just essentially run the food for the servers to their tables and that was like the only job i ever really had then i started up like my entrepreneur journey i was mowing lawns shoveling driveways with snow 
doing things like that just to build up money. Um, and then I eventually bought a truck and like started up a little landscaping company. Uh, and I got a contract with foreclosed houses with the banks. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but this was before the government first like shut down officially. Mm -hmm. So this was a while back, but I got a contract with all these banks. I was doing all these foreclosed homes and I think I was like 18 years old, fresh out of high school. And I was making about like two $2,500 a week doing this. You're still in Connecticut at this time. Yeah, I was still in Connecticut and everything was going great. I was getting paid. Um, and then all of a sudden the government shut down and the banks stopped getting paid or stopped getting paid to take care of their property, essentially, yeah. which led me to stop getting paid. But they were still giving me the work. So I was still doing the work and kind of just got into the cycle of where I wasn't getting paid, but still had to pay my friends. And that kind of just brought me on a downward spiral to where then I had to essentially move in with my mom. Yeah. But so, that so, made you, me so when you left Milford, you yeah. just that business shut shut down. Was it sole yeah, proprietor? Yeah, I sold, yeah, I sold the, the equipment I had, um, sold the truck and just kind of shut everything down. That's, that's got to be rough, especially at 18. It's like, yeah. oh, I got my dreams going. I'm a big yeah. business owner. Start dreaming big. Yeah. What did that feel like when it when it happened? Oh, man, it, it sucked. But I was so young at the time. Like, I knew that there was just so much time left and so many more opportunities. And at the end of the day, I knew I didn't want to be a landscaper for the rest of my life. I just liked the money that was being made from it. So at the end of the day, it was a blessing. And I knew... I mean, at the time, I was definitely sad because I I didn't want to go work a regular job or go be a server again. So I kind of just didn't do anything for a while and just kind of let my money just dwindle away yeah. and kind of got Same. into like a little depression over it, but nothing too serious. And then, I mean, just as you get older, you realize it wasn't that big of a deal. How does that translate that depression you were in? into getting into fighting were you always in martial arts or were you yeah just... I, I i wrestled my whole entire life so um i grew up wrestling um so i always had that structure and background uh the fighting just kind of came because i was just kind of an asshole and i just liked to i just liked to fight like in, in school we would fight in the gym locker rooms things like that um so it just got me into wanting to go to a martial arts gym. And then I got into the martial arts gym at like 16 years old. And just ever since that, I've been just basically in MMA my whole life. Now I've been in a time period for the past two and a half, three years where um, I haven't really trained or taken, taken any fights because I've been just building my business. But it's always something in the back of my mind. And definitely martial arts formed me to definitely be the businessman that I am today. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. When you got to Florida, is that the first thing you did was start fighting or did you start up a new business? No, I actually um, started working again with my mom who was, my mom was a part-time server at this Italian restaurant with, who her friends were the owner. Mm -hmm. So uh, she got me a job there. I started serving tables there and it was more of a high-end restaurant. So the tips were a lot higher. Mm -hmm. So I was making good money. Um, and then I met actually uh, a realtor um, who was one of my servers and they were like, dude, you should do like, think about doing real estate. Um, so that kind of got me thinking. So I started real estate school, got my real estate license uh, with my mom. And then we started doing that up. Um, a so lot we of did people. that for about <laughs> a couple of years. A lot of people lately have been telling me about real estate is now booming again. Um, 
a lot of the people who aren't making it in the electronics field since electronics is, you know, getting hit with a bunch of different blows. Yeah. They're moving to being real estate uh, investors, brokers, sales. Yeah. It's not what it's made. I mean, there's great money to be made in it, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows because you have to get the deal. You have to find first. You have to find buyers. Um, then you have to show them houses. You have to sometimes show them houses for 30, 40, 60 days. Then once you get them under contract, you have to wait another 40, 60 days for the uh, to go under underwriting and for them to get approved to close. But then in that time period, you have to like make sure you're on top of your clients that they're not charging up furniture, going to buy all this stuff, because at any time these deals just fall apart and then you kind of have to go back to square one, yeah. start all over again. So to make real money as a as a real estate agent, like selling, you have to it's going to take a lot of time. It's not you're going to you're not going to be able to just stop selling phones or whatever you're doing, transfer over to real estate and start making uh, even a full time income. I think as we both know, it there's money in everything. That's how you make yeah. it, you know, and something that comes up a lot is nowadays there's a lot of people that do the the bait and switch, you know, the sales techniques where it's like, I'm going to give you a, but really it's disguised B, you know, and uh, yeah. it, it's getting more prevalent in every industry. So yeah. these houses, even they're going up for sale so fast, the people in the market are like, it'll never go down. I'm like, when people start to see that their A grade house is not so turnkey, it's more of a B minus C plus yeah. house, then they're going to be pissed and these loans are going to start falling through again. It's going yeah. to be 2008 all over again. Just exactly. not as many and banks then, there. And then even trying to be like a real estate investor right now, it, it, you're competing with like Wall Street money, essentially. People who are corporations just buying up whatever. Right. Cardone. Yeah, so it's just a hard, hard thing to get into. So, so where does electronics play into all this? How does flipping so, play yeah, into all so this? Where it all started was real estate was starting to get slow. I started getting more involved into MMA, starting training two, three times a day. Um, and I started needing money. And my uh, fiance or girlfriend at the time, now fiance, was like, oh, when I was younger, I used to just find some phones like, iPhone fives on like, uh, I think it was Craigslist at the time. And she would resell them to people at her school. And that triggered an idea in my head. So then I went on YouTube and I, I think his name's like Khalid, uh, something like that, but he was talking about phone flipping a lot. So then I went on Facebook marketplace. I probably sent out like 500 messages of just super low ball offers to every iPhone listed. And I finally got someone, I think it was an iPhone seven. Shoot. I think I paid maybe like, 120 bucks for it but i sold it like the next day on facebook for like 250 and that right there got me hooked and then i just kind of trickled into that where i would just keep going on facebook marketplace lowball people uh for phones and try to do that and i was getting money to where i could now start like not having to really worry about these real estate deals and i could train more for uh mma yeah um and that just essentially led into me taking the skills i knew from facebook ads from like doing drop drop shipping and shopify stores like that um and i tried it with phones and then like within two days of me having ads running it was just bing 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 like phones coming in left and right and after and ever since that i never stopped a paid facebook ad ever since and now it like I just turned into a full-time gig. So I'm not hearing any downside. 
So yeah, no, there's really no, there was no downside really, to be you honest. You didn't get banned. You didn't get blocked. You didn't never had. No, no, I mean there was times so like offer up, you know, with these free ads, like I would post on offer up, um, and people would flag me, and then offer up would ban my account, ban my IP, and that to me was like a huge deal because I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to like use offer up anymore. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like once you get past those few days and that bad time and like that moment, you realize it it doesn't really matter too much and just things keep on going. And as long as you're staying consistent and like your daily actions, it always works out. So how do you deal with the people that, that rip now that you are the, the phone flipper, the, the go-to guy for most people, I'd say out of a hundred people, you probably get recommended 75 times. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of recommendations. Yeah. There's, There's a lot of people that rip your content that, there's a guy who's doing your, um, your, you essentially have a program right now where you do hands-free phone flipping. Yeah. Yeah. I just a message leads come to you. All you got to do is pick up and pay. You take a percentage. It's a fantastic program. But in the first three hours you posted that thing, I saw three competitors post, let's try this with you. Let's try People reached out to me and I'm like, no, no, I'm working with somebody else. I don't really tell people who I'm working with. It's just, I I work with you on ads. So here you go. There's your information. Um, But it's so funny that people reach out and they're like, hey, do this. I'll pay you. I had uh, asked one gentleman, I was like, hey, so if you're going to put up that much money to it, how about we put 25 grand into an escrow? and meet these conditions, we'll have a contract, we'll notarize it, winner take all. Because this guy had doubled your promises of financing for half the amount. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it was an outrageous promise too. Crazy. Yeah, outrageous promise. I I tell everyone, as of now, I think what makes me the go-to guy is I'm just very straightforward, I'm honest. I don't, as of now, I don't have any contracts in place, no commitments. Um, there's no hard feelings. So if people stop working with me, I don't, I don't start trashing your name. I don't start anything. It's business is business. So I keep everything separate. If we have a friendship on the side, I keep it like that. But when business is business, so I don't really mix the two. Um, and I just kind of tell people how it is. I don't give unreal expectations. And if your expectations are too low, I'll tell you. And if they're too high, I'll also tell you. Yeah. So it's, it's different because a lot of the guys I've worked with, and I'm, I'm currently working with a guy who does the SEO and um, like Facebook, Google management right now. Yeah. SEO in this industry is horrible uh, just because Google ads got taken, you know, nine, I would yeah. say F nine ways out of 10. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's a decline in the Google revenue for what has taken. Google's trying to partner with other carriers and things like that. Um, but we run an electronics repair store instead of a cell phone repair store. And all yeah. of them are titled as electronic repair stores. So similar to like hobby stores that do repairs on yeah. drones and uh, remote control cars. And so it's technically legal to their policies. But for some yeah. reason, anything with Apple, they boot it. I got banned in 2020 on my business manager account and my Google ads account when I first started working with you because yeah. What was it? Repair Lift had done some really odd, um, yeah. Repair slash hey sale generate lead problems, but all from Canada. And at the time, there was the election, 
So do you ever have any customers that have been banned on their business manager or ad account like that working with you generating ads? Lately, I've noticed Facebook's, I, I don't know if it's their automated system or whatever it is, is really jammed up and messed up because I'll, I think this was actually, I made a post about it on my Facebook. Maybe it was like three or four days ago. I had six clients all at once. Their ads were active for about two, uh, two, three, four days. Um, and then the, all at once, they, ter- they took them all down and said we were talking about medical conditions, race, um, and a bunch of outrageous things. Politics, yeah. Yeah, so I think their automated system is just very wonky and, and messed up. See, I found a guy who I had to pay, what was it, like $2,500 for the business manager account to unlock. And That's so- crazy great service. He was very upfront that, Hey, it's a big cost, but there's people on the inside of Facebook that flag these things because there's an agenda. And so I'll say it publicly on YouTube because it's not their platform. Yeah. Kiss my ass. Um, and so for 2,500 bucks, I got the accounts back and it took a little while to generate, to shake off the ban, you know, cause all of a sudden yeah. it has to re-lead out and, and put your content but man, as soon as people started getting banned, like a month ago, people were reaching out and he was like, oh, you know, don't put my name out there so much. It's getting heavy. You're going to see a wave. And uh, hearing that now, it's, it's crazy. What would you do today if Facebook ads got banned? Ooh. Mm. Well, for my like for my own business, for my own cell phone business here locally in Florida, I wouldn't be too worried because I have built over the past five years, I've built up a lot of families um, who, who sell to me every time they upgrade their phone. It doesn't matter if it's every once a year, two times a year, they come to me and always sell me their device. So um, in that standpoint, I would be okay for my phone flipping business. But as for the marketing standpoint and everything that I offer, man, I don't that would be hard because if Facebook goes down, that means then there's no Instagram. Um, so really, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what what I would transfer to or how I would offer to help other people's business if those platforms went away. Uh, maybe go to the Truth Network or whatever Trump's network is called. Yeah. If they have ads or. So it it sounds like a bad thing that you don't have a plan B, but in most yeah, cases, yeah. in most cases as a business owner, there shouldn't be. And I, I found a lot of people where it's, you know, okay, I can go to Realty or I can go to McDonald's, grab a job. There's always a plan. Yeah. I can go back to school. Yeah. People who I mean, I always will have the phone stuff to fall on. I would just have to figure out how to build it differently locally. Yeah. Um, and then if I built out systems locally that worked for me here, then I would have to try to figure out how to duplicate that for other people locally, but still being remote here in Florida. How- how in because we worked together in 2020 you had a son soon after 2021 right yeah how old is he now he's one and a half i don't envy you man i'm going through uh what is it It, the regression of twos or terrible twos with my son two and a half i think my son's hitting this early yeah it didn't hit until like two and a quarter two and a third and now uh he's back in our bed not wanting to sleep yeah all fun but uh, how did you manage living in Florida yeah. through a pandemic, pregnant fiance, and yeah. starting this big of a business 
in that amount of time? Yeah, uh, a lot of just honestly, I know it sounds corny, but a lot of dedication and just hard work. And I know a lot of people say it, but like just really like a lot of no sleepless nights and um, wearing masks, <laughs> hand sanitizing the phones, yeah. having wipes, everything like um, especially when she was pregnant during the pandemic. Yeah, everything was sanitized, wiped down, um, just making taking all the extra steps. I would keep the phones like we lived in a small apartment, so there wasn't like a lot of space where we could keep them, but I would keep everything as far away as possible uh, where she wouldn't really go near. Um, and yeah, and just building up the marketing stuff when I had time, essentially when I wasn't out picking up phones or trying to get stuff ready for having a son. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's got to be, medication. we're beneficial enough to live next to our in-laws who help out, you know, my family's down the road. Yeah, so we've always had a support system through COVID. And luckily, my son was born a month before COVID started, you know, February yeah. 2020. But yeah. I couldn't imagine having then to run a business and have a pregnant wife. You know, I've yeah. got two kids. So it was and had to do all I, yeah, had to do all the grocery shopping, had to had to do everything essentially because you can't send you can't send someone out who's really pregnant out in a pandemic. Yeah. Grocery shop. <laughs> So what did you do? You started what wizard? You had your own coin yeah. at one point. Yeah, I had a lot of failed, a lot of failed businesses. Um, mm -hmm. We had a star pup, which was a crypto coin. I wouldn't say it was failed because we did make a lot of people a lot of money. Um, so there was people obviously in any crypto coin. It's, it depends on when you buy and sell and when you get in. Um, so a lot of people in the cell phone industry got in really early and bought coins really cheap. Yeah. But then they also were able to sell for a lot of money. Um, and once there wasn't a lot of liquidity in the coin because we started from nothing. So every time people would buy, liquidity would get added in. But when you have people who make, they buy in day two of, they see my Facebook post, they get a trillion coins for like 200 bucks. And then the market cap goes up. We got it up to about, I think, $10 million. So some people had bags that were worth thirty to a hundred thousand dollars plus. Mm -hmm. They start selling, and then it just kind of trickles down from there. And there's really no reviving it besides dumping more money into it. So that ended up failing. Um, then we had shoot the. So are you saying that I am responsible for killing Starpup? Was that you? <laughs> I bought and sold a bunch, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. I didn't make. A lot I lost of money a lot of money, it. my own money personally. I lost about fifty thousand in Starpup. Is that just from the investment in the back end? Uh, just marketing, um, paying for marketing, um, investing in my own coins, and then not selling. <laughs> yeah, the selling point is, I waited a long time to sell Starpup because I saw that you guys were doing the uh, the poker and all that. Yeah, and yeah. So I was excited to do, you know, natural addicted gambler. Yeah, and uh, that just didn't go through with me, but. I did the same thing with Safe Moon and held on too long. I could have yeah, had two hundred grand and just did. Yeah. I was like, it's I had forty. Go to five million. Yeah, I had forty grand in in Safe Moon. It got up, pumped up to forty grand, and I was like, I'm not going to sell. I'm just going to keep going. I trust these guys. And then it kept dipping, dipping, Rug. dipping, dipping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you went from Star Pup. This is all post pandemic, right? We're already yeah, yeah. Star Pup was in May. Star Pup yeah. was in May of last year. And so 2021, you start Starpup. How does Wizards come in? Wizard came in. <laughs> so 
I'll be honest, I kind of stole an idea from from two people that were starting to push drop shipping a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm going to come up with a software and ride their wave. But and it started off really well, but the developers for the software took too long. So that wave kind of died down. Yeah. So uh, we got the software developed. We paid a lot of money, too. And it's a really a really good software. But the the development just too, took too long. So all the excitement and hype that I built up because I, I started marketing it about four weeks before the launch was supposed to happen. And, and then, then four weeks back. turned into eight weeks and eight weeks turned into 12 weeks. And then we were like a year later. Now it's ready. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, was another failed venture, essentially, um, but just kept going. Then like the stuff that's only been working and continuing to grow for me that has been just nonstop without failing is phone flipping and then offering services to other phone flippers to help them essentially grow their business. So with you've had a lot of failed startups. Yeah. Would you say that you know more about what works now and the right time to pull out of something that doesn't or less about what works and more about the dedication of trying to make it work? I would say it's 50-50. Yeah. Biggest thing, even it just in general with my life is I sometimes have too high of a risk tolerance. So I'll push it. Blooded Americans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll push things where I know I should probably cut my losses and, and stop and just stop and just focus on something that's working. I'll sometimes just push things to the absolute limit until I just like essentially get wrecked or or uh, just occur a lot of losses and trying new things and it doesn't work out. So yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's 50, 50 and it's kind of like a devil's advocate. I, it's a blessing and a curse where you have that risk tolerance, where you can kind of push yourself and see how far you can go until it's just like, no, not possible. But then, yeah, I don't know. It's hard Well, with high risk comes what high reward. Exactly. So you'll never know unless you try and, Play yeah and that's that's my thing is i sometimes i like to just keep dreaming big because i know eventually if i have a million failed things one's gonna hit and one's gonna be a big winner um so just gotta keep trying i think you're onto something with this hands-free fl- phone flipping i do too man and i know it's not going to be easily replicated because it's hard yeah <laughs> it's so hard t- tell us a little bit more about that since you've been through the trials and tribulations of 2020 2021 yeah how did you come up with hands-free phone flipping? Because so you're I've already noticed, running the ads. Yeah. You I've had noticed the businesses a lot of flipping people, in, in Florida. And yeah. then you went through this this almost creative process and then landed here. So what is that like? So I've noticed that while I'm running all these people's ads, I have access to their inbox. I could see everything. So I noticed that a lot of people are really weak on following up. Um, they give up after like two or three interactions. So if like, let's say if I message you and say, Hey, I have an iPhone 11. Um, but then you message me how much you're looking for. And I just leave you on red. Mm-hmm. They end the conversation there and they don't continue to push that conversation going and still keep following up with that person. <laughs> um, so I noticed that they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, they're also just getting their emotions get attached to their leads. So they um, will sometimes treat a lead how they shouldn't treat because they're either in a bad oh, yes. mood or something like that. With me, I'm able to remove all those emotions and everything's just numbers. And if it makes sense for us, I'll close the deal and tell you, hey, you need to pick this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured that if I'm able to offer a service to where I'm handling the marketing for them, 
um, doing the negotiating, doing the following up, doing the quotes, doing the scheduling, just basically doing everything for them. And they just have to go there and meet the customer that it would be a no brainer because a lot of these people, I was seeing so much money just being left in the inbox of all these clients leads, but I also wasn't in the position to really tell them and like say, Hey, you're not really handling these leads properly. Like you're kind of just wasting money. Um, but with this service, I can tell them that because I'm, I'm doing everything. So there's really no, I see no reason why they should fail or drop out of the business if I'm there side by side guiding them, especially because I have the five years experience. I've handled losses. I've been through fake iPhones, just everything essentially that they don't need to experience and not lose money. Yeah, I think our biggest problem is so I have this store running Facebook ads because this is the electronics and cell phone store. Yeah. And I have partner stores that are running Facebook ads through you. The yeah. biggest thing with this store is I'm trying to be hands free. So I let everyone else reply to the leads. Probably mm -hmm. shouldn't have. I let everyone else talk to the customers. Probably shouldn't have. I reply after hours when I care to. Yeah. If somebody's like, hey, I got to do this now, but I'll never meet somebody outside of the store because there's a security that comes with the store similar to any of you who are watching now meet people at a police station if it's ever sketchy. The idea of having somebody else take it over is, for me, a little redundant because I have other people that should be doing a decent job. The idea of having somebody doing all the marketing and talking, the only benefit would be if we had like a laid out price list. And so... Yeah somebody was like, hey, I'm sending you A, B, and C, pay A, B, and C in pricing. So I think if you did that with store owners, that might work yeah. for you. So right. how it's working right now is I'm going off mostly Atlas prices. So if a, a customer comes in to your store and Atlas pays 825 for a 14 Pro Max, I always make sure that the customer or the, the store gets the phone for at least 725. So that way, if they can't sell it locally or in their store, they go ahead and they can still go ahead and sell to Atlas or to mostly any direct buyer. Because um, people, most direct buyers will match Atlas or compete with Atlas. So um, as long as they're essentially getting these phones at the proper price, then there should never be a question of, hey, can I even sell this phone for a profit? Um, so that kind of takes away that question uh, of like, what should we pay or what what like all those all those for, different variables for some reason we get probably one fourth of all phones either have a financial agreement yep. still in place yeah. or a contract yeah and my biggest problem is none of my guys know how to deduct for a financial agreement or a contract yeah, yeah there's really shouldn't all they there's really nothing that they need to deduct besides look at a direct buyer sheet and then pay what the carrier locked price is. So if they say it's AT&T, whether it's financed or not, they would just need to look at the direct buyer price of carrier locked phones and then make their quote according on that price. Because at the end of the day, we, in this phone business, we make our profit on the price that we purchased the phone, not what we sell it for. So the idea is the cost analysis, really. Yeah. And so you're saying that financed phones shouldn't affect the pricing. But no. in a retail in, uh, environment, then it restricts it to one carrier. Yes. But here's the thing I've noticed with, at least from the retail stores that I've talked to, a lot of these retail stores are leaving 
tens of thousands of dollars a month in revenue just because they don't even know about direct buyers. And they'll, for that reason, like they won't buy finance phones because they can't sell on their store because of blacklist and things like that. So I've noticed that a lot of store owners don't really know the proper way of doing buybacks, especially on finance devices and these carrier lock devices or blacklisted or just any any device that's not clean retail ready. They don't understand how to flip that and don't realize that there's 10 plus but 10 plus 20 buyers out there who will buy all these phones from them in bulk at margins to where they can make a hundred, two hundred dollars still profit per phone buying these devices. Um, so that's why I think that this service is huge for them because they don't have to worry about training any in-house employees about finance phones, about direct buyer sheets, about deductions on crackbacks and how to quote with the crackbacks and all that little things that come into when you're actually becoming a phone flipper and buying phones from people on the streets with these paid ads. Yeah, because I wouldn't say that we're the best. We do a lot of business. Yeah. And I'm happy with the business we do. There's always more. I know it's being left on the table. Yeah. The, the problem for myself is we've already had bad experiences with direct buyers. And then you have bad, the direct buyers that have gone in and out of business. Um, yeah. And it makes it difficult because we used to buy iCloud phones as long as it wasn't yeah. to the DOJ. And we're, we're licensed for a, a pawnbroker's license. So we have to yeah. run it through the DOJ. And so these things that aren't stolen, but even though they may be iCloud locked, blacklisted, you know, we don't know the circumstance. Somebody could have filed insurance, done all that. Yeah. We can buy those if we have somebody to sell them to. So I used to sell them to um, Sutton or yeah. uh, Depsy or any of those people. Yeah. And then they just don't buy them anymore. You know, a lot yeah, of people- Yeah, Atlas still buys them. They buy iCloud? They buy iCloud locked as long as the status is clean. Um, so that could be iCloud locked, but the iCloud status has to be clean. Yeah. Um, and then also like the thing with direct buyers is throughout these five years, um, I've built up a lot of relationships with direct buyers who um, I've done business with. So I know that they're trustworthy and they can pay well and pay on time. So that's the other thing that I can give to the store owners too. So they don't have to worry about their investment in their funds essentially not being safe shipping it out to a sketchy direct buyer um i've kind of already done all the vetting and tested it out with my own money essentially yeah so uh, what's what's the percentage you're taking off the the back end when somebody sells it and so how it's working is we have a flat retainer we have three different tiers but the base level uh the lowest way you could work with us is going to be a thousand dollars a month and then we have uh, a 20% profit share, but none of that profit share starts until you make back your $1,000 retainer plus your Facebook ad spend for the month. So if you're spending $20 a day, that'd be 600 for the month. So you would have to, we would have to make you back $1,600 total before we start calculating our profit share on the devices. Um, and I have everything all tracked and organized on a nice Google sheet. So it would have the retainer, the ad spend, um, and then all the phones, everything auto updates. So the client themselves can also see where they're at for the month. So uh, they know if we're in the profit or if we're not in the profit. How do you confirm that somebody doesn't report to you that they bought the phone? That they, like if a, like a client tells me, that, like doesn't tell me they bought the phone? Yeah, so you send me hypothetically a yeah. 14 Pro Max 
Yeah. I get it from the customer. Yeah. I, I pay them out. I run it. They get a, a clean tag. Yeah. But then I never talk to them again on Facebook. So a lot of this right now is I'm really only working with people who I kind of vetted and, and trust or worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is going off of a trust base right now. Um, but other things, other ways to that I'm kind of combating that is with reviews. So I tell each, like if you were my client, I say every time you get someone, let me know so I can push to let them leave us a review on our like Google, Facebook, things like that. Um, so if I know they leave us a, re- a review, essentially I know they, they bought the phone. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've thought about that too. I know there's going to be times where, speaking of that, one client's calling me right now. Um, there's going to be times where there may be bleeds missed or uh, I might miss a deal that they picked up. And I'm okay with that. But at the end of the day, I work off of trust and I'm a handshake type of guy. So if I feel like you're kind of screwing me over, um, I'll communicate with you first. But then if it's just not kind of working out, then at the end of the day, um, I only want to work with people who I could trust. And uh, if I have to fire a client, then it sucks, but I have to fire a client. That That is a big one for a lot of people. I am a big proponent of the customer is not always right, especially in this political day and age, this yeah. this civil day and age. You, as a client, are not always right. Because exactly. <laughs> um, I, I still do consulting on the side for some business owners that I've come to build a relationship with on things that they do on their retail side or don't know yeah. how to delegate. Because um, now I've been in business nine years and I just can't fathom how some people work by themselves and then complain every day that they're not doing something they love. Yeah. You know, they have to love it to, to be running a business. You either have to have that drive or that there is no B strategy mentality. Exactly. There, there should be nothing else. And I, like I said, I'm in other uh, cases, I'm trying to move more hands free for family time. I worked seven yeah. days a week through my son's birth, you know, trying to make ends meet and make sure that there was opportunity. And a lot yeah. of people did. I know you probably did yourself. Yeah. So, and I don't look for gratitude or admiration. You know, I, I get to come home to a warm meal every day and my yeah. kids freak out like nobody's business. My daughter's yeah. six and she'll do this like jujitsu <laughs> run, jump off the shoe bench, hit the wall yeah. and then leap onto me. That's it's, so funny. I, I got to put a camera up for one of these days, dude. It's it's like uh, you ever see those kid shows or shows back in the day, the sitcoms where it was like, daddy. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I never expected it because I didn't come from a household like that. But I'm I sure know that's a great feeling. It's it's a, a better accommodation to my hard work coming home even on a bad day to yeah. get that type of feeling. So I know it's that's worth awesome. it, you know. Yeah. So. That's one of the reasons we're moving. Florida was in the running, but if we had family out in Florida, we would have done it. Oklahoma's the first stop. What are you doing with your shops? Uh, the California stop shop will stay open. I got somebody that's going to run it to the best of their ability. And then I've got cool. a new 4,000 square foot place that I posted about. I don't know if you saw it, but it's it's an upstairs place. It'll be repairs, home goods for my wife's stuff, 
And nice. I've got a set of 3D printers we'll be printing out and selling online. So that's be, really cool. It'll be uh, interesting because it's under a different LLC. So I can do. I was going to ask you, is it going to be a different name, like a different brand? Yeah, because I've had this for so long and it's more carefree. We fix shit for you. Yeah. Um, four and a half star rated all around. Yeah. But I just I don't deal with the BS. So I, like I said, firing a customer is really hard. Yeah. But to me, I, I could fire a customer any day because my, my customer service over nine years has gotten really tailored. And I could say that I'm a silver tongue. But there <laughs> are the people that just don't want to hear it or don't want their problem solved. Those yeah. are the people that get told, there's the door. You yeah. <laughs> um, you ever thought of opening, because you do a lot of consultation work inside of what you do. You tell people how to run their business, how to make sales. Why don't you do what? Benjamin Rossow and a lot of those guys do and, and make a, Hey, let me consult you on how to better sell or treat customers or interact. You can make an entire operating policy yeah, and then teach these guys like a class. Cause you already do a phone flipping class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about doing stuff like that too. Almost where like I would essentially fly out, go in store and teach them all the systems of what a street flipper would essentially do in a store. Um, but it's just hard right now. I mean, I just got so much on my plate, essentially, um, just trying to figure out how to keep scaling and not be glued to my like phone 24 seven or, uh, yeah, I just, I don't want to take on too much at the same time, um, essentially and overwhelm myself where I then affect the quality of work that I'm giving the current people who do pay me. Um, every month. You're also, uh, I don't want to say too much, but you got some the reason you're working so hard right now is you are delegating a bit of the task and expanding yep. a bit. So yeah. there's some new things coming out. Um, yeah. Any, any tips or tricks you want to share with the people and let them know that you got some exciting news coming up? Uh, I don't want to give out too much information because um, I know some people might be watching. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely some big things coming in the works for 2023. Um, the first three months, uh, the last three months of this year um, is right now is just me essentially getting systems and processes in place for my hands-free phone flipping. But um, in 2023, we're definitely going to be offering uh, a lot more things, especially catered towards, I don't want to sound rude, but people who have the money to invest. Mm. Uh, more automated stuff to where they essentially don't even need to see the phones. They don't ever have to touch the phones, inspect the phones. They just have to essentially wire money and then get money wired to them. Um, but yeah, that's bigger business. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in the works. Um, and then also going to be looking to become a direct buyer essentially here in 2023 to buy all the phones from the hands-free clients. So every time, we close them a deal. They could just pack it up, ship it right to us, and then we'll just pay them out. I, um, I can so. say as somebody who's heard some of this, it is definitely an exciting thing. So wait to, to see that. All right, yeah, Chris. I well, I appreciate you coming on. You know, that's going to wrap it up here for today. Um, yeah. Anything you want to share with the clients, anybody who's watching, future, present? Oh, just, just keep on hustling and don't give up on the slow days because that's – uh, that's where people get made or broken in this business is when they give up on the slow months or the slow days and they just don't stop. You just got to stay consistent 
And honestly, anyone can make a lot of money in really anything. As I tell people, if your bank account isn't at zero, then you're doing well. So, yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on here today. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. For anybody who doesn't know, hit the like, hit the subscribe, share it with your friends. You know, We appreciate you, and we'll see you next time.